You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert. They're up and running again. So sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see your beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. Hello, and welcome back to Wondergold, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. I am your host today, BJ Cunningham. Our illustrious host, Michael Leboff, is going to be out for a few episodes. So it'll be myself and my good friend, Anthony DeBundo, taking you across the European landscape. This weekend, we have a full slate of matches in the Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A, and Ligue 1. The Premier League, unfortunately, is off for the FA Cup, except for one match, actually a very Big match in terms of the stakes, a relegation battle between Burnley and Watford at Turf Moor. Burnley is currently sitting at plus 120. Watford is at plus 235, and the draw sitting at plus 230. Before the international break, Watford decided that they needed to make a change at manager. Claudio Ranieri has been sacked, and the man that they chose to lead them out of the relegation battle is 73-year-old Roy Hodgson, who is going to bring a very archaic form of tactics. It's going to be a 4-4-2. It's going to be physical. It's going to be defensive. So we'll see if Watford will get their first clean sheet of the season. On the flip side, Burnley uh, has done some moves in the transfer market. They brought in Wout Weghorst from Wolfsburg. He's a six-foot-six striker from the Netherlands. Actually started for the Dutch up top in the Euros this summer. In my opinion, it's the most makes sense transfer of the transfer window. He's going to fit in perfectly in Burton Sean Dyche's system, especially alongside Maxwell Crane at top. As far as this match is concerned, I don't project really any value. I, I think I'm going to be staying away just because of all the changes that we've seen, uh, especially with Watford uh, since the international break. But Anthony, do you have anything for this match? Yeah, I'm staying away as well. Uh, congratulations to Michael. Welcome to fatherhood. I uh, hope you're listening. Yes. Uh, Maxwell Cornet is back for Burnley. That makes a huge difference to this attack. He actually has six goals, uh, but really it's only come on two expected goals. So not sure he's going to be able to sustain that level of production that he's had coming back from the break here. Do expect him to cool off finishing at some point. Although talk about buying low, which is something we talk about on this podcast a lot, buying low on Vegost, six goals from just nine expected in the Bundesliga. The first year of his career where he's really underperformed his metrics, you'd expect him to bounce back. He's been a career over expected finisher or he's actually above average in that department. So once he refines his finishing boots, uh, that could be a, a big addition, but I do have some question marks about 
uh, Vegarst. When we look at the numbers, he's 29 years old, getting 2.2 shots per 90 in the wide open Bundesliga. We typically see about a 20% tax on, on players when they leave the Bundesliga. We've seen some players have, have seen their, their production go considerably down. There's just not as many chances. There's not as many shots. It's not as open in that league. So uh, if he's not able to get two shots per 90, which is about what Chris Wood was getting, I'm not really sure it's an upgrade net net, but of course, losing Wood, they had to sign somebody. So I uh, credit Burnley for getting the right guy. He's, he's pretty good in the air, 76 percentile on aerial duels, which is worse than Wood, but still pretty good. Like you mentioned, six foot six. Roy Hodgson, I'm excited just because it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, this is the two worst teams in the league on points. Uh, two of the three worst teams in my numbers. I don't really show a ton here. I, I make Burnley about where they are in the market, and I'm, I'm concerned I may be too high on them because I think that there's some very frightening defensive numbers that are being put up by them in terms of not quite blocking shots, not quite doing the defensive work that they've been able to do and get by with for so long. So I'm, I'm happy to stay away here. Watford won't have uh, Emmanuel Dennis. He's suspended for this match after his red card against Norwich when they uh, got played off the park by Josh Sargent's boys. So I would need a better number to grab Watford here, and that's where I would certainly lean at the number, but uh, because I'm concerned I'm a little too high on Burnley. But overall, Happy to pass this one and enjoy what's a pretty fun slate. I know we're going to get into it. Pretty fun slate across the rest of Europe with a lot of high-profile matches. Yeah, I mean, Roy Hodgson, he managed Crystal Palace last year. And when Palace played, they drastically overperformed and probably should have been a relegation team. When, you know, Palace out of the 4-4-2 last year, uh, per understat, 1.7 expected goals allowed per 90 minutes. So, you know, the, the personnel that Watford has right now, I don't think it's the right personnel to play a 4-4-2. Uh, you need to play something a little more attacking, like a 4-4-3 or 4-3-3. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, like like Anthony said, it's kind of a wait and see with Watford. And you mentioned it. Let's move over to Germany. We have a huge match uh, in the Bundesliga. League leaders, Bayern Munich is hosting RB Leipzig. It's a uh, revenge spot for RB Leipzig, obviously with their losing earlier this season and their former manager, Julian Nagelsmann, uh, currently managing Bayern Munich. Anthony, what do you have for this Bundesliga clash? So there's a few different ways I kind of want to get at this, uh, and I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to play it. We're recording this as of Wednesday night. We have some time, uh, and I'm kind of going to wait to see how the market moves here. There's a few things I like. One, I think Leipzig is a little bit undervalued, so I'll immediately look towards the plus one and a half. But I'm also concerned about this late game scenario where Leipzig is down a goal and they're chasing and Bayern rips them apart on the counter and wins by two or three going away. We've seen them do that to a lot of teams. We especially saw how vulnerable uh, Leipzig was to those kind of counterattacks and how they overcommitted and got completely destroyed. They gave up 4.2 expected goals in the first meeting. Now, that was under Jesse Marsh. Now they have Domin Domenico Tedesco in charge. Uh, he's the new manager there. Since the winter break, they've allowed one goal or fewer and expected goals in each of their four wins that had only happened three times in the entire Marsh era, which was from the beginning of the season until the winter break when they fired him. Uh, they've considerably improved. They're allowing fewer big scoring chances. That's really been the biggest issue for them is that, you know, they, they have a lot of players now who are good with the ball at their feet and kind of good at, playing possession, slow build-up stuff, kind of what Nagelsmann drilled them to do. And then Marsh tried to turn up the tempo, and they are now 10th in the Bundesliga in big scoring chances allowed. Uh, it's pretty concerning going up against Bayern, who obviously can do whatever they want to anybody, number one in the league in every metric on offense, from box entries to scoring chances to XG to goals to shots to points. Uh, it's Bayern, right? There are going to be 
limited capacity, 10,000 fans is what it sounds like is going to be limited in here. So that kind of blunts the home field advantage. So that's another reason to look towards Leipzig. I also lean toward the both teams to score over two and a half. You can find that parlay together, minus 130. Or I may play some Leipzig team total over one and a half to kind of get this Leipzig defensive issue out of the picture. Uh, Bayern won't have Alfonso Davies or Leon Goretzka, but they have more than enough depth to cope for that. Uh, Davies especially killed them up the left flank in the first meeting. So he will not be there. That's good for Leipzig. So I, I lean toward Leipzig, might play a team total, might play the spread, uh, but I'm, I'm definitely looking to, to get it at Byron here. I think this is a good flat spot here um, for them. Yeah, I, I kind of go in the same direction as you. I like over three and a half goals at, currently at even money, which I was kind of shocked to see at that low. You know, putting, like you said, with those Byron offensive numbers, these are some of the most impressive numbers I've seen, I think, in a long time. You know, 2.78 expected goals per match, 20.5 shots per 90, 22.1 box entries per 90, and three and a half big scoring chances per 90. That's Those are insane numbers. And I also went and looked, Byron's only been held under two expected goals four times in 20 Bundesliga matches. So this offense has really improved the, you know, the, the, how, how they're creating chances under Nagelsmann versus how they were last year under Hans Flick. They were they're getting more, like we said, big scoring chances closer to the net. They're not relying on Lewandowski with shots outside the box. Thomas Mueller has created the most chances of anybody across Europe's top five leagues. It's just an unbelievable offense that I'm not sure if Leipzig is going to be ready to be able to handle it. Obviously, you know, you mentioned the defensive numbers, 5.7 expected goals and six matches under Tedesco. They haven't really faced like the stiffest, stiffest of competition. I know one of them was uh, against Gladbach. One was against Wolfsburg. One was against Mines, but Mines got a red card. Byron's a completely different animal. And if Byron is able to do to them what they were able to do back in September, then this one could get out of hand very early. But like you mentioned, the Leipzig offense is incredible. They're actually fifth in Europe's top five leagues in expected goals for per match. Uh, 2.47 expected goals per match under Tedesco. It's a really, really good offense. 21 big scoring chances in those six matches as well. So I agree with you that, you know, I, I definitely would take a look maybe at Leipzig over one and a half, uh, but I am going with over three and a half goals at even money. Cause I think this one has a high scoring event written all over it. I'm pretty sure those four games, two of them were Gladbach that Bayern was held under two. And yeah. I think one of them was actually Greuther Fert as well. Yeah, um, it was. Yeah, I, it like was. my two yep, favorite was, teams. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> For Somehow. some reason they were at, yeah, Gladbach who, is a, who honestly against Leipzig allowed 4.4 expected goals. <laughs> the very, like, like think the next match or two matches after that held, held holds Bayern to like 1.3. And yeah. And you say, mentioned it, Gruther, uh, uh, Reuter, sorry. Uh, I think only 0.9 expected goals in that match. It was a, it was a Friday sleepy type match. I think Bayern, you know, they scored three goals, but, um, but yeah, it's, this is, a, this is a really interesting match. And it actually, you know, it does matter to Bayern. They're only six points above Dortmund. They have to take this seriously. You know, we'll, obviously, as we get longer in the season, you know, we'll have to handicap, you know, motivation. But this one, definitely a lot of motivation for Bayern, especially with Nagelsmann at the helm. He's, you know, Bayern is not the type of team to take their foot off the gas. So if they get ahead, that's going to be pedal to the metal the full time. Uh, let's look around uh, the rest uh, of Germany. Uh, is there anything else you like in the Bundesliga this weekend? Yeah, I'm holding my nose as I read this. Uh, <laughs> Dortmund and Leverkusen under three and a half. I mean, it's like the biggest hold your nose play of the whole year. Um, playing these two teams who love to play open, uh, create a good amount of chances, and you know play a style that leads to overs. They they played a four three thriller uh, earlier this year. They played a three one game uh, at the end of last season. 
really, I just think that Chick and Holland are the two hottest strikers in the league right now in terms of finishing quality. Uh, and they've been the most clinical finishers and, uh, you know, you can say they're great finishers and, and that's a decent point, but I, they're running way above their numbers that you'd expect. And Dortmund, for, for example, scored three goals on three shots against Hoffenheim. Their first two shots went in. They had a shot that didn't go in and then Hoffenheim gave an own goal, uh, which was really great for those of us that had the under in that game. Uh, the first time these two teams played, there were only 24 shots in the game, which is not a lot for these two teams. Seven goals. There was only about 2.9 expected goals in the game and ended 4-3. There was a penalty involved as well. So that really takes a big chunk of the XG there. Leverkusen scored two goals from outside the box. There was a late penalty to Holland. Dortmund have now in the last five games scored 16 goals, five against Freiburg, three against Frankfurt in a late comeback. They had three against Hoffenheim. They've only created about nine expected goals. They're just running ridiculously hot. And I know we, we could do this song and dance with Dortmund all year, but at some point you're going to see some regression. And I only project 3.3 goals here. The one major concern Leverkusen's defense has been quite poor lately. They've been conceding a lot of chances. I do think uh, that they've been getting exposed a lot on the counter. I don't know that that's going to happen quite as much here because I think Dortmund uh, at home will control more of the ball. I know there's no fans could take some juice out of this. I lean towards Dortmund on the money line too. I like the way this matches up for them. They dominated the first leg uh, and, and really should have won more comfortably. It was like 2.1 to 0.8 expected. Uh, so I, I, my numbers are, are kind of close. Minus 115, the numbers, the market's at like minus 105 right now. So I don't really have a ton of value on it. So I'm gonna, probably going to pass the, the money line, but I definitely like the under three and a half. You could even hedge off and, and maybe split a unit, grab an under one and a half or one and a quarter in the first half. Tried to do that last week and Hoffenheim scored in the last kick of the first half. So, you know, there's never a fun bet to make, uh, in, you know, when you're betting it under in these two teams, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. Yeah, Patrick Schick, best striker in the world. Also, Holland's NFT broke uh, the record, 600,000 uh, this week. Crazy. Uh, it was kind of off topic, but I'll, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking at Augsburg, Union Berlin. I love Union Berlin, draw no bet at minus 125. It's a really, really good spot for them. They've been playing really, really well over the last few months, despite not having their best striker, Taiwo Awanoe, who has been uh, at the Africa Cup of Nations with Nigeria uh, over the last three matches. He's a big part of their attack. He's got a .62 XG per 90 minute scoring rates of having him back in the lineup against the worst defense in the Bundesliga is a huge boost for them. Augsburg allowing 1.69 non-penalty expected goals per match. They've allowed 39 big scoring chances. That's a huge problem against Union Berlin, who has created the sixth most big scoring chances on offense. The main problem with Augsburg is they don't really possess the ball that much. They're very direct attacking style. They've only had five buildup attacks, which is 10 plus passes that leads to a shot. And that's dead last in the Bundesliga, but their direct speed is obviously top third, top three in the Bundesliga. That's great. But the problem with that is if you're not possessing the ball and you're on losing the ball and you have too many guys committed forward, it leaves you wide open in the midfield. And that's where union Berlin will be able to exploit them. Even though, you know, Augsburg's offense does have now have Ricardo Pepe. We'll see if he actually comes back in time uh, from, you know, the United States world cup qualifiers this is still a bottom five offense in the Bundesliga and pretty much every single offensive metric union Berlin, on the other hand, fantastic defensive outfit usually plays out of three, five, two, which allows them some tactical flexibility. And it's been working for them because they're only allowing 1.25 expected goals per 90 minutes when playing out of it and have conceded the third fewest big scoring chances in the Bundesliga. I have union Berlin projected at plus one Oh three on the road. So I love their draw no bet line at minus minus one twenty five. 
Yeah, if justice is served, Augsburg will be going down. They have one of yes. the most interesting counterattack profiles in all of Europe. At one mm. point last year, I think they were the heaviest counterattacking team in Europe. And Union's tough, uh, you know, physically, and they're tough to break down yeah. on the counter. They're usually pretty solid at the back. So I will probably also be joining you on that one. Wonderful. All right. It's going to be a Bundesliga party with uh, Union Berlin and watching a snooze fest between Dortmund and Leverkusen should be a fun time. Uh, let's move over to Italy. Uh, there is one huge match in Serie A, and it's the Milan Derby. Inter Milan taking on AC Milan. Inter Milan is sitting at minus 125, AC Milan at plus 330, and the draw at plus 290. I don't have a lot for this match. This is a pretty big match in the Serie A title race because if AC Milan loses this one, their title challenge is pretty much over. Uh, if they win or draw, they not only leave the door open for themselves, but the door open for Napoli to potentially uh, make a challenge at Inter. Inter's up by four points over both those teams, but they do have a game in hand. Like I said, I, I'm pretty you know close to the market on this one with my projection. I might look at an under potentially uh, if it gets steamed. This is you know two of the four best defenses in Italy t- in terms of non-penalty expected goals. But other than that, I'm kind of staying away. Anthony, do you have anything through this one? Yeah, there were two penalties in the first uh, in the first match. One was missed, one was made, and then I believe there was an own goal. Uh, so to survive an under two and a half, which is what I had in the first leg, was probably the, the, one of my miracles of the year. Uh, but if you go back and watch the game, it was t- total domination from Inter. I mean, they controlled from pretty much start to finish. Uh, Milan was stuck trying to counter. And that's not a terrible situation for Milan to be in. They're generally pretty good without the ball, pretty good on the counter. Guys like Rafael Leao uh, are really good in space. And so I think, you know, that could work for them in this spot. And I, the number seems about right to me as well. The look for me is, again, going to the under, just because both attacks are a little bit hot in terms of finishing. Uh, We expect regression for both this entire goddamn league, uh, you know, has been the bane of my existence for the last year. And I'm convinced that's never going to turn around. But, you know, at some point it is. And and these are two of the teams that are at the top of the list when you're looking at teams who have some attacking regression coming. The the one thing about it uh, is that Inter doesn't really need the win, right? Like, of course, they want to win. But if it's tied late, a point keeps them keeps Milan at arm's length and, and, you know, they're technically the home team here, but there's no home field advantage being that they share a stadium. So overall I'm passing here. The under three would be the look. That's what I'm going to play. If it gets down to say 120, 125 right now, it's sitting up near 140, 145, and that's not really uh, worth it for me to play. So I'm going to be looking for the under. If we can get three, do not want the two and a half and, uh, here. I, I just don't uh, trust this league right now. So uh, I'm going to look for under three. Yeah, it's that's where I'm looking to. Yeah, let's uh, let's look across uh, the rest of Italy. I'm going to start first. I like uh, Torino, draw no bet, uh, minus 125 on the road at Udinese. Torino, I mean, it's a weekly Torino bet for me, but, you know, they continue to put up just incredible underlying metrics uh, in Serie A. In fact, they've only lost the expected goals battle once in their last 12 matches, and that was on the road against Inter. So even their last match before the break, <laughs> I had them and they drew with Sassuolo uh, and it was an ultimate smash and grab from Sassuolo at the very end. Uh, Torino won the expected goals battle 2.8 to 0.4 outshot Sassuolo 21 to six. You know, they just created one big scoring chance that they didn't do anything for the entire match. One at the final, you know, in the 88th minute to draw one, one Torino is second in Serie A, allowing only 0.8 non-penalty expected goals per match. They're also second shots allowed per 90 third and big scoring chances allowed. 
It's it's just an incredible defense. It's also the number one pressing team in Italy by pass for defensive action, which, which is very crucial in this matchup against Udinese, who is 19th in offensive passes per defensive action. Udinese has also been really bad uh, in terms of their form over the past month. They failed to create over one expected goal in their last four matches, and they were only able to muster two shots against a very poor Genoa team uh, before the break. Udinese defense isn't really that much better. They're 12th in non-penalty expected goals. And most importantly, they're 19th in passes per defensive action and have forced the second fewest high turnovers in Serie A, which is important because if you're going to beat Torino, the one weakness, if you can call it a weakness for them, is they tend to struggle a tad bit against teams that will press them high in a successful rate. Torino also offensively has just thrashed the bottom of the table. 1.6 expected goals per match in 12 matches and has a plus 8.1 expected goal differential against the bottom half of the table. So I think it's a little crazy that this is kind of close to a pick even though it is on the road at Udinese. So uh, I have Torino projected as a minus 104 favorite. So I love them uh, draw no bet at minus 125. And I believe you have another one of my favorite bets. That's probably going to be one of the more painful losses of our weekend. Yeah, there's a little bit of juice on it, but Lazio and Fiorentina under three minus 135. Uh, if you can find 130, 135 floating out there, I probably wouldn't play at 140, 145. It starts to get a little bit steep. Uh, but really, we're dealing with two of the most overrated attacks in all of Europe, not even just Italy, but all of Europe. When we compare the fact that when you look at the goals minus expected goals table in Italy, these two teams are right at the top, along with our favorite team, Verona. Lazio this season, 46 goals from 30 expected that's just insane. Crazy. That's 50, That's 50%, 50%, 50% more than that overperformance. We expect crazy. about five to 10 with, to be within reason. You can make a case 15 short term. You can see a team run hot, but 50 is like three times more than what you'd expect. Fiorentina, not quite as crazy, only 41 from 36, but their defense has also been pretty unfortunate as well. They now also, we should note, do not have Duzan Vlahovic, which I know neither of us are that high on. And People on Twitter were getting mad at me because I was saying he's a little overrated and they're buying high on him. Uh, I think he'll be fine at Juve. I think he is definitely better than Alvaro Morata, who has had some really bad Whoa. numbers this year. Yeah, Morata's had some pretty bad <laughs> numbers this year. I'm not sure what to expect from him. We anymore. love Alvaro Morata on this podcast. We do. We do. We love guys who have some far finishing records. Finish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he has 17 goals for Fiorentina, the next highest four. Uh, so you're dealing with a huge drop-off in terms of who gets the goals. And of course, five of those 17 were penalties. So I, I really think that this matches up well for it to be a, pretty much a stalemate. Fiorentina's dominated the, the, the flat track bullet. They've been flat track bullies this year when they played the better defenses in this league, which Lazio is an above average defense. Um, they've struggled. They only created half an expected goal in the first meeting. It was a one nil loss. They struggled to create against Roma uh, struggled against Torino. So when they played these better teams, you know, inter, they, they've struggled to create chances. And so I think that's, what's going to happen here. I don't see this getting to four. Uh, and so I like under three at minus minus one thirty five. Yeah. This I I'm right there with you. It's uh, I was doing some writing for this one. Lazio, their last, uh, I believe there's last six matches, 14 goals off of 8.3 expected goals. It's just, it's crazy how hot they're running. And like you mentioned, you know, Blahovic was 34% of their expected goals created, even though he did overperform. So they obviously brought in Arthur Krabal from uh, Basel as a replacement. I don't know if he's going to feature this weekend, but I mean, this is just, this is crazy. <laughs> it's just, this is, this is insane. I, this is one of, one of my other favorite uh, picks of the weekend. And I'm going to be in a puddle uh, if it ends, uh, you know, 
four to three Fiorentina. You already mentioned it. Another another potential fade spot. Sassuolo goes to Sampdoria on Monday. If you can stomach it, Sassuolo's yeah. another another luck box. I mean, they they have had they've been getting beat down game after game, and sometimes they get punished for it, and sometimes they sneak out results. But they had a run of like four or five games until they got blown out by Bologna that they were you know, losing expected goals battle by more than a goal and winning games, tying yeah. games. That's just not sustainable. Uh, and they did it again against Torino right before the break. So, uh, and Skamaka is great. Like he's going to be a star. I actually think he's better than Vlahovic, but there's not a ton to like about that to swallow defense. And they've been getting kind of carved up. So uh, I'm going to look to fade. The thing is Sampdoria is so dead. So it's, it's really yeah. hard. All right, let's, uh, let's move on uh, to Spain. There is a huge match. In La Liga, uh, it's Barcelona versus Atletico Madrid. Barcelona is plus 135. Atletico is sitting at plus 210. And the draw is at plus 240. I think you could describe Barcelona's transfer window this January as desperate. <laughs> they they brought in Emerson Royale, Adama Traore, and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. But I, I'm not sure if any of those guys are actually going to feature uh, in this match as they just recently got to Barcelona. Obviously, Barcelona has been improving greatly uh, under Xavi. 1.53 expected goals per match compared to only 0.8 uh, allowed per match under him. But, you know, playing against a team like Atletico is, is a different animal. Atletico has had Barcelona's number the past few seasons. They already beat them 2-0 this year and, and drew uh, against them. Sorry, they won They won last year and, and drew against them. Uh, Barcelona has failed to create over 1.1 expected goals in any of those three matches. Atletico is the number one defense in Spain by any metric that we look at. They're only allowing 0.79 expected goals per match, which is the third best mark among Europe's top five leagues. I'm interested to see what the pace of this game is going to be. Like my guess is going to be, it's going to be pretty slow. Barcelona has the second slowest sequence time and second most 10 plus pass sequences per uh, Opta. Atletico is obviously going to be perfectly fine, you know, sitting back in a 4-4-2 and looking to counter Barcelona's defense. So uh, I think this is a, a pretty good chance to play an under two and a half goals in those last three meetings. They not uh, not more than 2.5 uh, total expected goals were created. And I only have 2.3 goals projected. So I do think there's some some decent value on uh, under two and a half goals at plus 105. Uh, do you have anything for Barcelona Atletico Madrid? I don't have a ton. Uh, I think the number's about right. I really wanted to back Barcelona here, but I can't. It's so rare we say this, that Diego Simeone teams are underperforming their expected goals. Yeah. Uh, he's been a luck box for so many years. Um, now they're the opposite. I mean, they're, since November 6th, uh, which is an arbitrary date that I picked for the entire league, but it happens to be the day that Xavi took over Barcelona, they are allowing about 1.2 goals per 90, but they're only allowing conceding about 0.8 XG against per 90. So they've been pretty unlucky conceding well above what you'd expect. Oblock has not been his typical Oblock self and they've had some mostly bad luck, but now they're getting a Barcelona team who we've talked about at ad nauseum on this podcast. Xavi has clearly got a system in place that is effectively controlling games better than it, they were under Kuman. But what we, like we saw in the, in the Copa uh, super cup match against Real Madrid, they can be ripped apart on the counter at any moment. And I fear similar what happened the first time these two teams played, even though it was Komen, Atleti will just let them have the ball and then take it and then exploit what's pretty mediocre defensive personnel and, and midfield personnel and then just score on the counter and, and not really ever be threatened. So the matchup I don't love for Barca, 
and the number is not good enough for me to play it. So I'm happy to stay away here. I don't hate the under either. I think uh, Barca does have some attacking regression coming and they're, they're going to explode at some point, but I don't think the additions of Aubameyang and Traore really fit. Aubameyang, you could make an argument better than Luke de Jong. Okay. That's an upgrade. Um, Adama isn't a right back and he's not really a winger. So it's tricky. I'm not sure about that. So uh, we'll see what happens in, in terms of Barcelona long-term still a team. I like long-term, but in this matchup, problem passing. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting. We'll see. Both these teams obviously are, are trailing Real Madrid by quite a large margin, but Barcelona obviously still fighting uh, for a top four. Which you know, if they don't finish top four uh, in La Liga, it would be devastating to them financially. But they somehow you know keep finding money uh, to buy. Players. They just keep pushing the can down the road. I mean, the Adama, the Adama thing, like they're not even really paying him. Yeah, it's until it's, next it's year, and then Aubameyang, like they're pushing yeah. the money down the road. It's very strange. Uh, I'm excited to see what Aubameyang does in the system, though, because I think he's cooked. Others have told yeah. me they think it was it was Arteta ball that was cooking him. Um, we'll see what happens in Spain here. Yeah, as an Arsenal fan, I'm fine letting him go, even if it's for free. I mean, it's obviously something happened behind the scenes that was, you know, um, that made the relationship between him and Arteta, like, you know, irreversible. They, they obviously couldn't get along or whatever it was. So it's sometimes you just, you know, obviously Arsenal has been playing a lot better and they have a good team cohesion. So sometimes getting a guy like that out um, to another team, even if it's just for free can have a, be a net positive, even if you didn't get any money for it, but let's look around uh, the rest of La Liga. Do you have anything else in Spain this weekend? Yeah. Osasuna is a home underdog against Sevilla. My favorite team to fade right now. Uh, Sevilla is still holding strong second place. They did get a draw with a, with Valencia just before the break and they had a draw with Celta Vigo. So, you know, they're starting to regress a little bit, not quite winning every game one nil, despite conceding multiple expected goals, but really I'm just not sure how much better Sevilla is than Osasuna right now. And that sounds crazy to say they did add Anthony Martial in the uh, transfer window, but Osasuna since that November 6th date that I mentioned, there's not really a point of demarcation for why I picked that date, but Osasuna has been about even in expected goals uh, difference 1.034, 1.1 against Sevilla only creating 0.7 expected goals per 90 since November. So really question marks about this attack. And I, uh, for that reason, I, I don't see how they're a road favorite against an Osasuna defense. Who's actually very underrated in this league. So happy to take Osasuna plus a quarter goal at minus 110, mostly because you took my favorite spot, which might be my favorite spot of the weekend. Yeah, this is yeah, this is a crazy uh, the line for this one. I, I I'll just say I love Villarreal uh, draw no bet plus one twenty on the road at Real Betis. Villarreal's performances since the start of December have maybe been the best of anybody, maybe in Europe, definitely the best of anybody in Spain. Their last eight matches, they're averaging around two point three xG per match and only allowing 0.78. And they played Sevilla, Real Sociedad, and Atletico Madrid in three of those eight matches. And that offensive run has now brought them up to second in non-penalty expected goals behind only Real Madrid. They're creating 1.56 per match. And the main reason for that is because they're creating just gobs and gobs of big scoring chances. 37 so far on the season, which is huge against a Real Betis defense that has allowed the fifth most big scoring chances in La Liga. Real Betis is a great offensive team. They're third in non-penalty expected goals, second in shots per 90. However, in the six matches that they've played against the top seven teams, in Spain, they've only created 4.3 expected goals. So a lot of their numbers are just stat padding against the bottom half of the table. The last time these two teams met 
Villarreal completely dominated them. One, two, nothing. One on expected goals, 2.9 to 0.5. Had 34 touches in their penalty area compared to only 20 for Real Betis and 50 progressive passes compared to only 24 for Real Betis. So I think it's this is a great spot for Villarreal, plus getting them as a, a slight underdog on the road. I have them projected at plus 129. So I love the value on them. Uh, draw no bet at plus 120. Yeah, I think the class game, the last game was a classic example, right? Like they were better than Espanol. Yep. But they, you know, 2, 2.2, 1.7. It was, but they scored like three quick goals, bang, bang, bang. Kind of just bludgeon somebody, score all your shots for 10 minutes and then dominate a game. But really the underlying performances on them are, are considerably worse. Uh, so I also love Villarreal. I already played it and you mentioned it since December. Well, how about since November 6th, my favorite date, plus <laughs> 1.4 XG per 90. That is better than the entire league, better than yep. Real Madrid by three tenths per 90. So yep. pretty impressive stuff. Una from, Emory, squad, and they're peaking just in time for our upset special against yep. Juventus. Yep. And then, oh man, and take down our guy Vlahovic. Um, uh, <laughs> and they don't have Chiesa, so I don't feel bad rooting yeah, against Juventus. I know. It's, it's, that's uh, that's going to be incredible. There's so many, like, you know, we'll obviously get into the Champions League in a few weeks, but there's so many interesting Champions League matches now, like looking back, you know, two months ago that we were like, oh man, this team's like, you know, Lil and Chelsea looking at it now. It's like, oh man, that looks a little closer. Then we thought, yeah, it's just, it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating a few weeks for the Champions League. But, you know, speaking of Lille, let's transition over to France. The one big match in Ligue 1 is Lille, the defending champions, hosting PSG. Lille is plus 290. PSG is a minus 115 road favorite. And the draw is sitting at plus 295. I know Anthony's going to give me a lot of grief for this. But I actually don't really have anything for this one. I know this is a perfect spot where I'd say, yes, let's, you know, let's take Lil. You know, I could go through all of the, how they're, they're underperforming and everything like that. It's, yeah. I have PSG projected at plus 101. And, you know, people who know me, I'm a robot. And, you know, I just continue, just follow whatever my numbers say. And, you know, for the PSG, as we get deeper into this, you know, season, we're going to have to start questioning motivation for them they have 11 point lead oh you know in league on but this match i especially think they're going to take very seriously obviously it's against you know the defending champs who dethroned them by you know one point last season we'll see who's going to be available for psg marquinhos is uh you know coming back from international duty i don't know if neymar is going to play so might have to wait and see what lineups come out the first, if we go back to when these two teams met the first time a little dominated the first half you know it was up one nothing at the break they held off psg all the way to the 74th minute and then you know psg you know stole it in the last 20 minutes but total of 4.4 expected goals were created in that match and these are but at the same time these are two of the best defensive teams by expected goals in league on so it's a tricky match for me i, I i'm gonna stay away uh from lil you know i i watched their entire game against Stade de Brestois uh, right before the break. And it just infuriated me because I had Lil and they just had so many chances and they couldn't put anything away. Um, so we'll see. I, I'm, it's just too many question marks uh, with, with, with both Lil and I'm, I'm guessing PSG is going to take this very seriously. So I'm going to pass on this one. How are you playing Lil versus PSG? Yeah. You know, I'm disappointed. I know. You know I'm not I upset, know. but I'm I know. disappointed I know. because every week on this show, you know, Michael and I, we don't do, league on as much I, i'm i i do parachuting in but the the two common themes of this podcast have been we bet leo and we fade psg yeah. and now we get to this spot and i understand your point about the number uh, clearly the market's adjusting on psg because yeah. when these two teams played the first time you mentioned it the total was three and a quarter now it's like two and a 
0.65, like it's between two and a half and 2.75. That just shows you how much the market has come down on this PSG team. And of course, we don't know all of the injury situation for them, but Lille has had a clear plan and it's been very effective. Each of the last four times they have played PSG in the sense that they've either gotten a result, covered you know the spread or been competitive. They beat them early in the year in the uh, beginning of the season trophy to Champions, 1-0. They held them at bay both meetings last year and like you said, dominated large parts of that game and then crumbled late, conceded, I think it was like an 85th minute winner. So clearly they have a blueprint that works. They're at home. They've had a down year, Leo. They're sitting outside the top 10 in the league, but this is, this is the all in spot. This is PSG at home. This is the game of the year for them. They're not going to be back in the champions league. So they'll have that to worry about down the road when they play in Chelsea in a couple of weeks, we'll be betting them too. But this is the all in league spot. And I think I love Leo plus a half at minus 105. Yeah, I, I, if, if I'm going to play this match, that's where I'm going to go with it. I, I, would, I wouldn't touch PSG at all on the road here at minus 115, especially with, you know, potentially no Neymar, no Marquinhos. And obviously, you know, Messi has not been himself. He's, you know, created a lot of expected goals and everything with, with PSG and Ligon, but he just doesn't really look like himself like he did at Barcelona. Um, but we'll, we'll Messi, Messi, has a hot, Messi has a hot finishing run coming. Yeah, that would be very scary if I, you know, maybe we're a team who had to play them in a couple of weeks uh, in the Champions League situation because oh, that'll be great. Every year we do this thing with PSG or with Messi. A couple of years ago, people did the same thing. It's like, oh, Messi's Barcelona goal numbers are way down, but like his expected goals were totally fine. Where he's like, oh, Messi, you know, he's really lost it. And then he just goes on like an absurd run. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to go on at that level because I agree with you. His other numbers, like ball progression numbers and his dribbling and carrying numbers are down a little bit. But in terms of finishing, I have no doubt in my mind that he's still one of the best finishers in the world. So uh, I think uh, that hot run might come just in time to uh, buoy PSG past a certain other bogey team that we have on this podcast. That's going to be, that's just going to be an incredible, incredible two legs. Obviously there's so many underlying stories that are going on that Ramos coming back to, to, to play Real Madrid, killing Mbappe, Mbappe. his uh, audition for Real Madrid, who he's going to sign for this summer. It's just, there's so many, and obviously Messi coming back to torment Real Madrid one more time. It's just so much, so many fun things with that match, but we'll obviously get to that in a few weeks. Around the rest of France, I'll start. Um, I like Ren uh, against Stade Bressois, uh, minus one and minus 110. Ren is a really, really good offensive team in league on. They're averaging 1.61 non-penalty expected goals per match, which is the second best mark in the league, averaging 15.1 shots per 90. They've created 37 big scoring chances, both of which are top two in France. They should have no trouble creating chances against a Brest defense that is 17th in non-penalty expected goals allowed and are allowing 1.71 expected goals per match against the top half of the table. Additionally, one of Brest's best players, Roman Favre, was sold to Leon on deadline day. Uh, He's a big part of their offense. Uh, He scored seven goals, dished out five assists this season, has a 0.48 XG plus expected assist rate, which is third best on the team. So losing him is pretty big for their offense. And Brest, they don't really create much from open play anyway. Uh, 11 of their 28 goals have either come off of penalties or set pieces and they only average 0.88 XG per 90 from open play. And Ren is second in league on in non-penalty expected goals allowed. And they're a fantastic set piece defense. They've only allowed two on the season, which is the lowest mark in France. Ren is also much better at home than they are on the road. Plus 10.3 expected goal differential in 11 home matches while Stade de Bressois is has a minus 6.7 expected goal differential on the road. 
I have uh, Ren's spread projected at minus 1.47. So I love the value on minus one at minus 110. Do you have anything from the rest of France? I might have to ban Saint-Étienne. That'd be the only look for me. Uh, draw no bet. They, draw, they did win. They, miracle win. Don't know how Angers. they did it. Uh, yes, they took out uh, yeah, the, the Angers luck box, uh, which you're going to back in a minute. Uh, but <laughs> but um, yeah, nothing for me here. I think uh, I'll, I'll stick to my tried and true PSG fade uh, and, and grab some Lille, which I think is, is a really fun spot. Yeah. It'll, it'll be that's a that's a Sunday at two forty five uh, Eastern time. That'll be a fun. No one. football anymore. No football on. So yeah, it'll, that'll be a fun one uh, in the middle of the afternoon. All right, let's move on. You mentioned it. Uh, our favorite underdogs of the weekend. I'll play. Uh, you know, quote Michael Leboff as he does every week, and tell everyone to proceed with caution on these. These teams are underdogs for a reason, but we have been doing uh, pretty well with these underdogs this season. I'll start. You mentioned it on Friday afternoon uh, at 3 p.m. Eastern on the road at one of my favorite teams, Marseille. Uh, this is a really bad spot for Marseille. Uh, they've been drastically overperforming the last two months. They just lost to Leon on Tuesday, which was their first league on defeat in six matches. But in their last six matches, they've outscored their opponents seven to three, but uh, only have a plus 0.5 expected goal differential. And that's really nothing new for Marseille who are so overdue for negative aggression defensively. It's not even funny. They've allowed 17 goals total on the season, but have conceded 25.2 expected goals. In fact, Marseille has allowed the ninth most big scoring chances in league on, but for some reason, opponents just cannot put shots in the back of the net against them. I mean, I even went and looked their goalkeeper, Paolo Lopez only has a plus 3.4 post shot uh, XG plus minus. So it's just really strange how teams just, for whatever reason, just cannot finish uh, against Marseille. Their opponent, Angers, is your typical mid-table league on side. They have a solid defense that is only allowing 1.07 XG per 90. They're also top seven in shots allowed per 90 minutes, box entries allowed, and big scoring chances allowed. They typically play out of a 3-4-1-2, which normally morphs back into a 5-2-1-2, but they've been very successful doing that. They have a plus... 3.73 3.73 expected goal differential and a little over a thousand minutes out of it this season. Uh, the Angers offense is one of the worst in league on, but they will be getting back one of their best players in Sofane Buffal, who was representing Morocco at the Africa cup of nations. His 0.62 XG plus expected assists per 90 minute rates will be a huge boost to their offense on Friday. This is just really not a great spot for Marseille having to play on two days rest coming out of the international break with their second leading scorer, Bama Diang, who is still at AFCON representing Senegal, who just reached the final beating Burkina Faso. I have Angers projected at plus 354. So I think there's some value on them on the road to pull off the upset at plus 500. What do you have, Anthony? Yeah, we just talked about it. So I'm going to go right back to it. Leo plus 290. This is not a great board for me for underdogs. Uh, I don't love a ton on the board. Uh, most of them were right around like plus 190, plus 200. You know, underdogs like Osasuna and Villarreal are close. Uh, and those are teams I like. But for me, plus 290 at home, a chance to kind of defend their trophy for the last time because their PSG is going to win Liga. Uh, an all-in home spot against what I still think is a PSG team that's quite a bit overrated, maybe shorthanded. And this Lille defense has a lot of positive defensive regression coming. They've been very unlucky to concede as many as they have this year. So if any of that comes back, 
And PSG has a bad finishing day. I think Lille very live to win this. They've had a lot of success against PSG in the past. I agree. It's uh, if I'm going to play anything that it's going to be Lille. Uh, all right, let's move on to our favorite bets of the entire weekend across the European continent. Anthony, what is your favorite bet? Osasuna plus a quarter of a goal minus 110 at home against Sevilla. Sevilla's numbers since November began. They've only created 0.7 expected goals per 90. That's among the worst in all of La Liga. They're not even number one in crosses completed into the penalty area anymore for the entire year, which just shows you how far they've fallen, given how much this attack usually relies on crosses into the area. They're not even number one in their best statistic anymore. Uh, This Osuna defense, top five in expected goals allowed, top three in ball recoveries. They work hard. They are very difficult to break down. They've shown when they played Real Madrid earlier this year, kept them off the board entirely. I think it's a very underrated Osasuna defense and a Sevilla defense specifically that has been very fortunate not to concede more and has been vulnerable on the counterattack. Very unusual for a low Pategi type team, but they've been very vulnerable there. So I like Osasuna plus a quarter goal, minus 110. And hopefully we can keep winning with these best bets. We were up a little over 14 units for the year. Yeah, we'll see if Anthony Martial will, will save that Sevilla offense. I uh, came over from uh, Man United on a loan for the next six months. I'm going to stay in Spain. Uh, I love Villarreal, draw no bet, plus 120 on the road at Real Betis. This Villarreal team, you can make the argument they've been maybe the most impressive team over the past months. The last eight matches, 2.3 expected goals per match and only allowing 0.78. An incredible offense that is averaging 1.56 non-penalty expected goals per match. Now the second best mark in La Liga behind only Real Madrid. The main reason for that is because they've created a whopping 37 big scoring chances on the season. And that's huge against a Real Betis defense that has allowed the fifth most big scoring chances. Real Betis is a good offense. They're third in non-penalty expected goals, second in shots per 90. But they tend to struggle when they have to play the top half of the table. In six matches against the top seven teams in Spain, they've only created 4.3 expected goals. So a lot of their good offensive numbers have been stat padding against the bottom half of the table. When these two teams met earlier in the season, Villarreal completely dominated Real Betis, they won 2 nothing and won on expected goals 2.9 to 0.5. I have Villarreal projected as a slight favorite, so I love their draw no bet line at plus 120. So that'll do it for another episode of Wonder Goal. Thank you all for listening. Make sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review, say something negative about us if you want to, as long as you leave a five-star review. Make sure you download the Action Network app and we'll have a ton of content this weekend on theactionnetwork.com from best bets to my projections and everything in between. For Anthony DeBundo, I'm BJ Cunningham. We'll be back on Monday previewing the midweek slate of Premier League matches. So good luck with your weekend wagers and we'll see you all on Monday.